It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate it. The show is made possible by patrons like Grant, Ashley, Sarah and Barry, Patrick, Shan, Joseph, Dan, Brian, John, Robbie, and Janet. I appreciate the support. Literally, I could not do the program without patrons of the show. And uh, by the way, if you want to become a patron, it's very easy. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Click on the link at the top. And uh, there are different levels, $5 a month, $10 a month. There's even a $50 a month. I don't have a lot of those. But uh, some people want to give that much. And who am I to tell them that they can't do that? Who am I to rob people of their joy? Uh, But you get exclusive content. You get the live stream access. And, uh, well, we were going to do gatherings uh, of patrons. (sighs) But uh, Roy Cooper... Um, <laughs> can't do those. Haven't been able to do the gatherings, but that's what we were going to do. So we do them via live streams and such. But um, what else? Are we oh yeah, Governor Cooper. He just canceled New Year's Eve. I'm not really sure this is sunk in with a lot of people. My wife said this to me last night. A friend of hers, a friend of ours, had told her uh, that basically, yeah, New Year's Eve is canceled now. And I don't think a lot of people put this together. And it's true. Because he put a curfew in place. The governor did. He put a curfew in place for all businesses. Um, not sports, by the way. Just in case you were wondering, collegiate athletics, no problem there. Still going to be able to participate in all that. If your games go late, don't worry. If the game's you know tipping off at 9 o'clock, don't worry. You're still going to get to to play your games. But if you're trying to make a living, you're screwed. So, um, yeah, New Year's Eve, done curfew imposed it's going to start on friday and it's going to run through the first week uh, or yeah uh, january 8th like through the first week of january and uh he made the announcement at his latest briefing i'll get into that so you're probably going to have a lot more time on your hands so maybe you're doing some yard work some improvement around the house which means you're probably realizing at this point that you don't have a lot of the tools that you need to make the job a lot easier on you. So go to General Equipment Rental. They've got all the tools, and you just rent one from them. They'll show you how to use it. Uh, They'll even help you pick out the right tool for the job that you're trying to get done. A lot of times people don't even realize, like they think they need one tool, but actually you need this other tool over here. It's going to make your job way easier. So Get their advice, their expertise. They'll show you how to use the tool. Then you use the tool and the project is done. You look like a hero. It's awesome. Life is great. Uh, Go to General Equipment Rental. They've got all sorts of tools from, you know, big stuff like earth movers to, uh, you know, power tools, small power tools, large ones, uh, scaffolding, for example. They've got that. They are also your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider, which means you can buy equipment from them and uh they can tell you again like what is the best piece of equipment for you you're not buying it off of you know the floor at some big box where they don't know really anything like they were working in the lighting department uh, a few weeks ago and now they're over here trying to sell you a mower uh Oh, speaking of mowers, the Husqvarna auto mower, this thing is awesome. It's like the Batmobile. It's the size of, uh, I don't know, it's probably like a foot and a half long, two feet, and it just drives around your yard and cuts your grass for you. 10% off while supplies last. Uh, you control the whole thing from your smartphone, and don't worry. This is the, the biggest question I get on this is, what if somebody steals it? 
Well, if somebody steals it, first off, it shuts down when it gets outside of the lines of your yard because it maps your whole yard. So it knows once it's bro- if it breaks containment, once somebody takes it outside the perimeter. And uh, so then it shuts down and the GPS locator helps you find them. Track down the thief. It's pretty awesome. Go to generalrents.com or go to their uh, their store. It's on Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road at the intersection there in Weaverville. General Equipment Rental, family owned and operated for three generations. Generalrents.com. Think outside your toolbox. So Governor Cooper said at his briefing, his COVID briefing, that as cases across the country rise, we have seen rapid increases in our key metrics in North Carolina. And he is shocked at some of these numbers. I know that news of effective and safe vaccines has given us all hope, but vaccines aren't here yet. We have to act now to save lives safeguard our hospital capacity and preserve our economy our economy um i I don't know what is up with his speech patterns sometimes i really don't (laughs) i've tried to figure it out i wish somebody would ask him nobody's ever going to ask him that he just he slurs his way through a lot of these words anyway you notice though what he says there i'm going to come back to this in a minute but you notice how we started off as cases across the country rise we've seen rapid increases in north carolina metrics okay um So that's the first thing. He then introduces Health Secretary Mandy Cohen to go over the latest metrics. As a reminder, we look at a combination of trend metrics, COVID-like syndromic cases, new cases, positive tests as a percentage of the total tests, and hospitalizations. All right, so there are four. Did you catch that? Four metrics. I know this is probably old news to everybody by now, but four key metrics that they look at, and then they do, you know, little red X's, or they do yellow lines, or they do a green check mark, depending on how we're doing in each of these categories. Now, me personally, I don't really put a lot of um, stock in the case numbers. I I don't, uh, because I understand how those case numbers are derived. And if you listen to this show, you do as well. And so I understand that there are a lot of people that get positive results that then go into this metric, and they're they're not contagious, uh, if they ever were. Uh, they're not symptomatic. They're not sick. They were never hospitalized. They don't need to be hospitalized. It's just these PCR tests with a cycle threshold that's very high, and it picks up these these remnant, you know, wisps of the virus that, uh, you know, you're looking so deep into people's uh, uh, their DNA or RNA. I don't even know, but you're going so deep into it that you are finding uh, just particles and. it's not instructive, okay? It's just not instructive. So I understand the value of keeping track of the case numbers for a couple of reasons. Like for me, number one is at some point we get to a herd immunity, right? If, If we are to believe that these tests are reliable, then at some point, Everybody's going to be testing positive. It's right at some point I'm thinking that might be a good thing. So that metric, I, I don't really put a lot of stock in. But what the one I do is the hospitalizations with this caveat. Once hospitals cancel elective surgeries, and we are not at that point yet. COVID-like syndromic cases, this is, I know it's like kind of big words and stuff here, but it's basically anybody who goes to the hospital and has symptoms that look like COVID. And what do we know about the symptoms of COVID? It's like anything. Right. Like it's gotten to the point where anything is a symptom of covid. If you have a fever, obviously, if you're coughing, if you're sneezing, runny nose, you have an upset stomach, diarrhea, nauseous. Uh, The big one for me would be loss of taste 
and smell. I think that's probably like the unique one. Um, and so people show up at the hospital with these COVID-like syndromic cases, and that's a metric. But now what happens if they give them a test and they don't test positive for COVID? They just have the flu or a cold or some other bug or something, right? So you're 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 tracking this metric, and I understand there is some value. I don't understand why it gets top billing or one of the top four billing in, in the metrics. So that's the other one. So hospitalizations. And then the other one is the percent of tests positive, which, again, I understand the limited value of this metric, which is if I'm going to test a million people and I'm looking for a 5% positivity rate. So out of a million people, 5% test positive. I shouldn't have picked a million. Just the math is going to be too too tough for me. So what I say a hundred. So a hundred people, I'm gonna test a hundred people and five percent, so five of them will be positive. And that's what they want. And right now we're somewhere in the neighborhood of like ten percent. And that's bad. Which means they're testing a lot of people, which remember we ramped up all the testing. So you're testing a lot of people, um, and you want to see the percent positive stay at about five percent, they say. I don't know why five percent. That's just the number they've come up with. I've never heard a good explanation for why five, not you know, six. Not four, not two, I don't know. But 5% is their number. One other thing to keep in mind on the hospitalizations. The number of hospitalizations jumped because the people that are now classified as hospitalized was changed due to um, new guidance from the feds. They said from now on, this was a couple of weeks ago, they said from now on if you are under observation, like if you check, you get checked into the hospital and you're there under observation, they never used to count you as a COVID case for that or a hospitalization, I should say, that you're not counted towards the hospitalization total. But now they are. A couple of weeks ago, they changed that. It caused a big jump in our numbers. So yes, our numbers are higher, but part of that is because we have a lot more people that are now being held uh, in uh, for observation that are now counted towards that total when they weren't before. And you could argue that they should have been before. Maybe they should have been counted before, but they uh, but they weren't. But now they are. So there's an increase in that number as well. All right. Back to Mandy Cohen. On our first graph, we look at people who have come into the emergency department with covid like symptoms. Mm -hmm. This is our earliest detection mechanism. And you can see when looking at that yellow line, that trend has increased sharply. It is at its highest level since the pandemic began. All right. So what would be some reasons for this? Obviously, covid is spreading throughout the community. But why would people present at a hospital? Why would they show up with symptoms at a hospital? Well, because they're suffering from something, right? Um, could it be also this is the season that that viruses spread? So we should expect, and in fact, we did expect there to be an increase in these numbers around this time. This was expected. Um, I'm not, and I'm not saying that to minimize what we're seeing. I'm just saying this was expected. So people that are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. All right. You need to just ignore them because you should believe this is happening because we knew this was going to be happening. This is what we were saying was going to be happening f months ago. Okay. Next, we'll look at new cases. This first graph shows you the trajectory of new cases each day since we had our first case back in March. And you can see the yellow line has a very sharp increase. We are also experiencing our highest daily numbers of reported cases since the start of the pandemic. 
And if we narrow in on this next graph on the trajectory of cases since early October through today, you can see a clear picture that our cases are trending up significantly. As the governor said, we had more than 6,000 cases reported in a single day twice in the past week. Less than a month ago on November 11th, we had a record day of 3,000 cases. Now we more than doubled that number on Saturday and then again on Sunday. To give some perspective, we had more cases in a single day than the entire population of Governor Cooper's hometown of Nashville in Nash County. Okay, that's not actually helpful. That's not some perspective because that's nobody knows <laughs> that place. <laughs> but um, this is, again, another one of her examples. And I understand why they do it. You know, try to make when you start dealing in large numbers, you you want to try and make it relatable to people. So, for example, this is why whenever um, when I was a reporter, I would do um, uh, like if you're doing forest fire type stories where you're talking about a geographical area and it's hard for people to kind of get their minds around uh, the size of a conflagration of a fire. So you say, okay, it's this many square miles, and then you find a city that's the size of that square mileage, and you say it's about the size of Asheville, right? That's the way you could do that. Anyway, did you notice, though, what she was saying, some of the language she's using in uh, in her descriptions there? She says the trend lines, quote, increased sharply that the trajectory is showing a very sharp increase and that cases are trending up significantly. Now, I'm old enough to remember when Cohen and Cooper were explicitly arguing that their actions from the mask mandate to all the executive orders, that those actions prevented a surge, surges and spikes, that, that those were the things that were happening in those other states, those those Republican-led states. And, you know, they weren't making the tough calls that Cooper was. And uh, they were implicitly blaming other states and Republican governors for the COVID deaths that were occurring there, right? And even in his remarks in this latest briefing, he actually started it off this way, too. As cases across the country continue to rise... We've seen rapid increases in our key metrics here in North Carolina. Okay, so as as cases across the country rise, we've seen rapid increases in our key metrics here in North Carolina. So you notice what he's doing there. They're they're framing it like, oh, they're all the cases are rising out there, and we're seeing some increases. We're seeing rapid increases in our metrics. So it's somehow tied to everybody else. It's not. It's not him. It's not what's going on here, right? It's not the failure of any of his protocols. Look, see, and again, people are like, well, you're minimizing. I am not. I am simply saying viruses behave like viruses. This fatal conceit that we have that we can somehow stop this thing. And I I think it's it's a fool's errand. I do. And I think that they lose credibility when they tell people that if we just wear this mask, you know, and 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 keep distance like this will stop it. No, and I'm not saying, by the way, don't do those things. All I'm saying is those things have a minimal impact. You're not going to be able to stop a highly contagious virus unless, as I've said before, you quarantine every single human being in a 10 by 10 cell, basically, uh, for a month. That might do it. Just everybody separated from everybody else, no human contact for a month, and then maybe the the virus peters out. Like, I guess that could happen. 
Here, here's something else that could happen. You could go to Mattress Man and get yourself a mattress. That's what could happen. want to thank uh, one of our listeners who went down to Mattress Man, told him that he heard it here on the show, and I do appreciate that. So if you go to Mattress Man, let them know that you heard it here on the show uh, and support the businesses that support us, right? The, the only reason we're still able to do this is because of patrons and advertisers. Mattress Man has been with me from the very beginning, uh, and I, I sincerely appreciate it. And they got great mattresses. They got great service, too. Five-star local white glove delivery service, 120-day comfort guarantee. Uh, they do ship nationwide. They've got the best mattresses from the Biltmore Collection. They've got the Nature's Spa line uh, that is by Paramount Sleep. Um and if you go to their website, you can check out all their inventory. And if you go to any of their four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville, you can get some advice on which mattress might be best for you from their highly trained sleep consultants. They have a, uh, a triple zero financing deal where you, get, you put down no money and you have no interest for 24 months and you have no payments for 90 days. You can pick up a free box spring if you buy a Biltmore mattress from the Restonic Collection. Uh, these are made in America, made in North Carolina, in Fayetteville, actually. Or you can pick up a free adjustable base with the purchase of select mattresses. Um, you can also get yourself a bed in a box starting at just $189. How about there's a queen size gel hybrid for just $299. It's a grab and go deal. So if you got a pickup truck, just roll on up to the warehouse, grab and go. What a deal, especially if you got family or friends coming in in violation of the governor's recommendations uh, for the holidays. <laughs> Go to mattressmanstores.com, experience the difference at Mattressman, buy local, and sleep better. So uh, the rising numbers across America are somehow the reason for the rapidly rising numbers in North Carolina. That's, that's what they are hinting at. Uh, in their in the governor is hinting at in his prepared remarks. And look, I understand how these remarks get written, right? He's got a comms team, and this is by design. This is what they write in order to plant these seeds. And the reporters that are on the line that are listening to this, they're not going to challenge him on this because they get so precious few questions, and they feel like they really need to ask more questions about whether he's going to get the vaccine, right? I mean, we need to ask that question at least three times in a briefing. Uh, we need to ask, when are you going to crack down on people, right? We need to ask that question at least twice in a briefing. And that leaves so very few other opportunities to ask more important questions. Like, why are you trying to blame all of America's numbers for North Carolina's numbers? Like, he's still shifting blame away from himself, which this is his like his second term. It's underway, right? So um, he's he's not up for re-election. He can't run for re-election as governor. So why is he why is he still framing stuff like this? Uh, well, maybe he's got his eyes set on some other race. Just spitballing here. OK, uh, here is the uh, health secretary. She says that we are setting records in the number of hospitalizations and patients in ICU, but that we are still able to manage capacity at this time as of today. Um, and. Again, pointing out here that hospitals are not canceling elective surgeries, which is what they did back in March and April when everybody was expecting this massive, you know, wave of patients to be uh, piling into the hospitals and they set up all the field tents and they had all of that stuff ready to go. And then it didn't happen, at least here in North Carolina. Um, and so they started then rescheduling elective surgeries. Those are all still going on. And so there was one hospital that's like uh, that was cited in the briefing where they said, oh, they're they're six weeks away from being at capacity. Okay. 
Well, what does that mean, though? That that's when you don't cancel all your other elective surgeries. So and that term elective surgeries, I, I, I don't like the term elective because some of these surgeries are not actually elective. I mean, they're not emergency surgeries. So, yes, you can postpone them. But if you're getting a mastectomy, like you're getting uh, procedures like colonoscopies and such, like, these are early detection tests and procedures. And so some of these things are not exactly elective. I wish they'd come up with a different term for that, but I understand why they use it. So until you start like canceling all of that stuff, and then you're at capacity, so you've got basically a whole hospital filled with COVID patients, like, then I'm worried. That's when I start getting concerned. So I'm not terribly concerned about the ICU numbers or the, um, or the hospital numbers. They are, it's definitely something to watch. And who am I? I'm no expert, but, uh, I, you know, I, I'm just, I'm looking at the data and they are still able to move people around. Now, that's not to say they're going to be able to do that going forward. Because, and, you know, Cohen talked about this as well, and she's exactly right, which is that um, this is a, uh, it, there's a lag between when people present with symptoms and then when they're going to need care. And so you start looking at those early, uh, those early metrics in order to plan for a week or two down the road. So that's what they're constantly looking at. What did a week ago show us? And then that's going to inform what we need to have for next week or the week after. And then going forward from there. So you're constantly sort of in this midpoint, you know, looking backwards and then looking forwards. And that's difficult. I get it. I'm not trying to minimize that at all. Here's the North State Journal. Quote, Cohen also provided an update on the state's COVID-19 county alert system map. The number of red counties defined as critical community spread has more than doubled since Thanksgiving with 48 red counties. Now, uh, this is up from 20 from before Thanksgiving, so it went from 20 to 48. There are now 34 Orange Counties, which is defined as substantial community spread. This was compared to 42. So a lot of counties went from orange to red, and then you have the other counties that went from yellow to orange. Does that make sense? So you got, and every, every county is at least a yellow. A yellow is um, significant spread, and Cohen says that there are 18 of those counties. If you are in a red or orange county, you should limit going out to essential activities. You should avoid people that you don't live with. So that's that's the recommendation. Red or orange county, stay home, especially red county. Red county, stay home. You should it's basically it's a request for a lockdown. It's a self-quarantine, right? And I got to, like, honestly speaking, I've been doing this. Christy goes to work. Christy goes shopping. And and she, uh, my wife, she very much uh, needs the personal interaction, right? She she needs that. Me, not so much. I, <laughs> I'm i doing okay. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I grew up one of, you know, four kids, six-person household. And so I value my alone time. So, um, and, and it allows me to work from home. And so I, I can do this and I understand other people cannot. I'm not going to require others to do what I'm doing when they cannot, you know, either, you know, financially or, uh, you know, just, you know, mental health wise, they just can't do it. And I'm not going to require that. So I appreciate this, this approach versus the lockdown approach, which let's be clear. That's what a curfew is. It's a partial lockdown. It's lockdown light. That's what a curfew is. 
right? Today's report is that more than 80% of the state's 100 counties, so more than 80 of the 100 counties, are either red or orange, okay? So that, and that is a, um, that's a measurement of the community spread. So how prevalent is the virus in the community, okay? Cohen says that the numbers now do not reflect the full impact of Thanksgiving gatherings. I'm very worried. This is a global pandemic. This virus is highly contagious and dangerous, but we can slow it down. Do not wait until it is you or your loved one who is sick with COVID to wear a mask. Wait six feet apart and wash your hands often. Do not wait until it's you or your loved one alone in a hospital bed struggling against this virus. Do not wait until it's your family that loses someone to COVID-19. Act now. Do those three W's now. Protect yourself, your loved ones, and your community right now. Your actions can keep people from getting sick, saving lives, and making sure our hospitals can care for people whether it's for a heart attack or a car accident or COVID-19. As you think about the upcoming Christmas and New Year's holidays, we have a tough ask. Please avoid traveling and gathering this holiday season. If you absolutely must, it's essential you get tested ahead of time, wear a mask all the time, keep it small, and keep it outdoors. All right. So they're, they're flat out asking, please do not travel, do not gather for Christmas or New Year's. And if you do, if you decide that you have to do these things, get a test beforehand, and then when you gather, wear the mask, stay six feet apart, wash your hands, uh, and then maybe get another test when you get back. And uh, so here's the thing. She says that the numbers we're seeing right now, these are the people that were essentially sick before the holiday, that were sick before Thanksgiving, and went to Thanksgiving anyway. This is what she says later on in the in the briefing. Um, and so this is like the first wave. Then you've got the people that were at the Thanksgiving gathering that were not sick but got sick. They're the ones that are now going to start showing up because of that lag period. So that's why she's recommending if you're going to gather with people, friends and family for the holiday season, keep it small and keep it outside, which, by the way, that means you're going to need some cold weather gear. And you know who's got it is Old Grouch's military surplus. It's true. Old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde. He's got cold weather gear and clothing, military grade thermal underwear. He's got wool sweaters, military field jackets. They come in solid green and in camo. He's got woolen fleece toboggans, wool socks, Gore-Tex jackets, everything you need for winter. If you work outside or maybe you're a hunter or maybe you just want to go, you know, have Christmas dinner, um, then you need this heavy duty warm clothing and you're going to get it a lot cheaper than you're going to find it at most outdoor stores. So head on over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus on Main Street in downtown Claude. Yes, the shop is open Monday through Saturday. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. And once again, tell him that you heard it here on the program. So uh, after Mandy Cohen went through these metrics, Governor Cooper takes the podium and announces the curfew. The The virus is upon us with a rapid viciousness like we haven't seen before. I was asked, by the way, on that comment there that he started off with, I was asked if I did, a, if I was going to fact check that. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure it's upon us with a vicious, with any new viciousness. I'm pretty sure the virus is just the virus. It's just we see more of it. So it's not like it's, 
It's not like it's different. This is the anthropomorphication that, you know, it's basically assigning human attributes and traits to a non-human thing. People do this with their pets all the time. Uh, And they do it with, you know, with viruses too. Like the virus is just the virus. It does what it does. It's it's not like, oh, North Carolina, you've avoided my clutches until now. Like, yeah, and you know, it pounces and seizes. I mean, come on, people. It's it's not a Republican. So it just does what it does. So here's again, here is the governor's the, vi- the virus is upon us with a rapid viciousness like we haven't seen before. Even though we're all frustrated and weary of the fight, it's more important than ever to take this virus seriously. So today I'm announcing new action to slow the spread. Effective Friday, December the 11th, North Carolina will enter into a modified stay-at-home order. This order will require people to stay at home between the hours of 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. It means just what it says. People are to stay at home between those hours. Businesses, including restaurants, bars, entertainment venues, personal care businesses, and most retail stores and more, will be required to close by 10 p.m. Which, hang on a second, I thought bars were still closed. What's up? I thought the bars were all still closed. Have they opened? Or did they just, like, get a whole bunch of extra food preparation going to try to become restaurants, classified as restaurants? Is that what's going on? Or these restaurants that sell alcohol, are they basically turning into bars and staying open late? Because bars and clubs, I thought, were still closed. In addition, all on-site alcohol consumption sales must end by 9 p.m. We already have strong safety protocols and capacity limitations in place, including a statewide mask mandate. With this additional action beginning Friday, we hope to get these numbers down. Our new modified stay-at-home order aims to limit gatherings and get people home where they are safer, especially during the holidays. It's also a reminder that we must be vigilant the rest of the day, wearing a face mask when we're with people we don't live with, keeping a safe distance from others, and washing our hands a lot. And let me be clear, we will do more if our trends do not improve. That means additional actions involving indoor restaurant dining, entertainment facilities, or shopping and retail capacity. None of us wants that. And in fact, all of these small businesses need substantially more federal help. And Congress and the president need to do that now. However, our top priority is and must be saving lives and keeping our health care system from being overwhelmed. So this is the same messaging that we had back in March and April, right? Flattening the curve. Stop the hospitals from being overwhelmed, which I thought we did, right? That's what we did. And then, like, we he kept us under lockdowns, and then he, okay, we'll open this, but not a lot, and open this a little bit, and bars, clubs, no, still, you know? So, like, I don't understand, what, where's the end zone here? I know vaccines, but if if the numbers are going up to this extent, and it prompts the exact same... Uh, messaging that you were using when the numbers were way lower. I, I'm, I, I failed. I don't know. I'm just, 
maybe I'm too cynical here. I'm just, uh, and these guys have just lost so much credibility in my eyes that I'm questioning stuff that I probably shouldn't even be questioning at this point. I don't know. Because, look, there is some research that indicates these curfews can work. The overnight stuff can work. Because it's not... Because it, it, it's not a lockdown. It's it's a partial lockdown, but it's a lockdown when people are usually home anyway, you know, <laughs> and they're asleep. Now, there is a downside here uh, that people will end up having house parties and such. Like, that. that's the trade-off. But we've been having that trade-off since he locked down the bars in the first place. So I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what difference this makes. Um and I have some I have a story on that as well. Um, he says, but by the way, note here, he says the virus is upon us with a viciousness we've not seen before, where before he claimed credit for keeping it at bay with his mandate, his mask mandate and his his protocols, his executive orders and all that. Now it's just that the virus has gotten vicious. Right. That's what's occurred now. The virus is now vicious and the stuff we were doing before, it's like not working, but he still thinks people are doing it, but not enough. They need to do it more. But then the virus is like all over the place. It's getting worse. It's just, it. do you know what I mean? There's, there's no clarity on the messaging. And I understand why, because they can't acknowledge that stuff that they were advocating before might not have worked. Then he threatens more lockdowns at the end. Right. He started threatening more lockdowns there at the end. He also framed it as lockdowns save lives when virtually all the studies show that lockdowns kill a lot of people and in some cases kill more people than they save. So there was a story here from, yeah, out of the Daily Wire. More people committed suicide in Japan last month than have died all year from coronavirus. That's a pretty negative side effect of the lockdowns, don't you think? Japan saw a spike in suicides last month that registered greater than the total number of people who have died on the island nation from the coronavirus pandemic for the entire year, uh, which is a little bit over 2,100 suicides versus uh, about 2,000 COVID deaths. The Japan Times reported last year that the total number of suicides for 2019 had fallen below 20,000 for the first time since the nation started keeping records in 1978. The decline in suicides was attributed to an economy that was getting stronger and an effort by officials to reduce suicides. By the way, Japan and South Korea are only among very few nations that issue current data on suicides. Most countries take like a year or two to issue their numbers. So that's a bit of a problem. Then there's this, a Scottish framework for responding to an influenza pandemic. This was published in 2007, and here is section 8.3, isolation, voluntary quarantine, and social distancing. Again, this is from 2007. Whilst it might be possible to isolate initial cases and quarantine their immediate contacts, such an approach will become unsustainable after the first few hundred or so cases. Geographic quarantining measures uh, have been used in an attempt to isolate affected communities in the past, but are unlikely to be effective against pandemic influenza as infection is expected to affect all major population centers within one to two weeks of initial cases being identified. This is the community spread, right? So this is what's happening. It's a virus and it's virusing. Whilst those without symptoms will be encouraged to carry on as normal, symptomatic patients will be asked to stay at home or in place of residence uh, if uh, while they are ill. Now, this is the problem with COVID, is people 
are apparently contagious for six days or so before they know they have it because they're not presenting any symptoms. If, and then there are the other people that are like, oh, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, got the sniffles. Oh, no, I can't taste anything. Slight fever. I'm still going to go to work and shop and go hang out with friends and all that. Like, you're an idiot. You're killing people. Anyway, in an exception, in exceptional circum- uh, situations, staying at home becomes impossible for example, because of the need to be transferred to a hospital, symptomatic patients should wear a disposable face mask to reduce transmission of infection. Influenza is likely to spread rapidly in closed establishments like prisons, residential homes, and boarding schools where people are in close contact and where they may also be in higher-risk groups. So that was from 2007. That was the guidance that the Scottish government put together when looking uh, at Uh, responses to a pandemic influenza. And then there's this. Dr. Ari Jaffe, MD, teaches in the Department of Pediatrics, Division of Critical Care Medicine, University of Alberta. Um, He's also a member of the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada and a bunch of other credentials. Uh, He was also an advocate of lockdowns. He then wrote a comprehensive paper um, titled COVID-19 Rethinking the lockdown groupthink. And here is the summary of his points that he makes. The public health goal of lockdowns was to save the population from COVID-19 cases and deaths and to prevent overwhelming healthcare systems with COVID-19 patients. In this narrative review, I explain why I changed my mind about supporting lockdowns. First, I explain how the initial modeling predictions induced fear and crowd effects or groupthink. Second, I summarize important information that has emerged relevant to the modeling, including about infection fatality rates, high-risk groups, herd immunity thresholds, and exit strategies. Third, I describe how reality started sinking in with information on significant collateral damage due to the response to the pandemic uh, and information placing the number of deaths in context and perspective. Fourth, I present a cost-benefit analysis of the response to COVID-19 that finds lockdowns are far more harmful to public health than COVID-19 can be. Okay, so there's a lot of research out there that indicates lockdowns harm more than they help. And maybe this is why Governor Cooper isn't going full lockdown but keeps threatening to do so. And by the way, people on the left, they want him to do this. They really, really want him to do this. Now, I would really, really want you to try Growers Hemp CBD oil because I use it and I think it's fantastic. Uh, Growers Hemp Full Spectrum Hemp Extract. You add it to your daily routine. I take a couple drops before I go to bed and I sleep more deeply. Okay. Uh, over the past few months, we had listeners to the show. They were uh, they were participating in a focus group with Growers Hemp. And uh, let's see here. Carol Sue said that she felt well-rested. She did not toss and turn as much as she normally does. And she says, I'm a morning person, and this did not interfere with my normal morning routine. That, me neither. And that, that, that's, that's been my experience as well. Um, they know people have questions about CBD, so Growers Hemp will guide you every step along the way. These are North Carolina farmers. Literally, they're farmers. Uh, one of them is my brother-in-law. So I, I personally vouch for them. They want you to be successful and have uh, you know uh, have positive results in your wellness journey. So they got together. These farmers got together and said, "How about we control the whole process from seed to shelf, and that means you get better quality at a lower price." And you're helping North Carolina farmers. As with all CBD products, though, 
here is the official disclaimer that GovCo requires me to say. Ready? These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Go to growershemp.com. Use the promo code PETE for 20% off. From North Carolina farmers to your home, that's Growers Hemp, growershemp.com. It's about the hemp and not the hype. Uh, All right, so let's call this what it is. It's a partial lockdown. The North State Journal outlines the order that says we are required to stay at home and travel only for work or to obtain essential goods or services during the hours of 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. through January 8th. Worship, religious, and spiritual gatherings, funeral ceremonies, wedding ceremonies, and other activities constituting the exercise of First Amendment rights continue to remain exempt from the order. The order does not apply to retail businesses that sell groceries, medication, fuel, or healthcare supplies. Among the new measures that will be implemented are the closure of indoor rides and attractions and non-bar night spots and arenas are restricted to 25 guests per facility. Mass gatherings limits remain unchanged, continuing at 10 individuals indoors and 50 individuals outdoors. Additionally, a prohibition on alcohol service for on-site consumption will begin at 9 p.m. instead of the current restriction beginning at 11 p.m. Events outside of homes also must end no later than 10 p.m., including live entertainment events, movie screenings, and youth and amateur sporting events. However, professional and college sporting events, they can continue after 10 p.m. Oh, because that would be the end of Western civilization. Then came the mostly worthless Q&A portion of the briefing, where people who have limited knowledge of the subject matter ask poorly framed and leading questions in search of a soundbite to insert into a story that is already largely written for them. But um, it started with this question. Hi, Governor Cooper. This is Aaron Thomas with WRAL. Hope all is well. Um, I had a question particularly about uh, the countdown to the COVID uh, vaccine. This question is kind of twofold. Uh, One, are North Carolinians advised to take it? And also, uh, what's being done to dispel the trust of or mistrust, rather, of vaccinations, particularly with black and brown communities? Really? You asked the governor, are you advising people to get the vaccine? Really? This is like the third time. He's been asked something like that since the vaccines were announced. The second part of the question is fine. Cooper never answered it, by the way, but I don't have a problem, you know, talking about, you know, how do you get past this mistrust of vaccines? That's a fine question in and of itself. But you're asking, are you advising people to get the vaccine? Yes, he already has advised people to get the vaccine. Then the second question. Our next question is from Allison Smith with Fox 8. That's Winston-Salem surrounding basically state has asked uh, local enforcement to ramp up or handle uh, people not following the restrictions that are in place. I know in the city of Greensboro, they've discussed fines, they've discussed closures, but they have said that they want compliance. They don't want to have to do closures, but we have heard from people. We have seen pictures of people clearly not complying. So I guess as we see these hospitalizations go up, as we see the cases up, when is enough enough and when do we really crack down and say if you are not following along and not doing what you're supposed to there are going to be repercussions drop the hammer am i right allison drop that hammer wow she's kind of a little authoritarian there 
<laughs> when is enough enough? Like that 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 wasn't even a question really. That's just it's that that was more rhetorical question. She was speechifying. Like is she running for office or something? Brian Powell from the Durham Workers Rights Commission. He's a leftist. This is what he tweeted. Great question to the governor from Allison Smith on businesses and people ignoring the restrictions. When is enough enough and when do we really crack down? Earlier, Cooper stated that we'll do more if our trends do not improve. Powell is urging more lockdowns again. He says the nighttime curfew makes no sense. Um, and uh, uh, Cooper cited no evidence that it actually works. And now that part is true. Cooper did not cite any evidence that it works. Uh, but that's the pressure Cooper is under from his left flank. Don Vaughn from the News and Observer then asked whether there's evidence that supports this move to impose a curfew from 10 a.m. to uh, sorry, 10 p.m. until 5 a.m. Uh, is there some you know link to viral spread during these times? And here was Cooper's response. I think I think it's pretty clear that the later in the evening you go, the larger some of these gatherings can be at some of these businesses. People become more uh, uninhibited and people uh, get closer together and can be uh, more opportunities to spread the virus. And what we're trying to do is to chip away at those times to slow the spread of the virus by trying to avoid these indoor gatherings. All right, I'm just going to hang on. I'm just going to stop because he, he doesn't even know how to answer this question. I can answer this question, and I just did a couple Google searches. I can answer this question. Here we go. USA Today. This is from November 6th. Headline, Massachusetts is calling for a curfew to curb rising COVID-19 infections. Experts say it's probably not enough. William Hanage, an epidemiologist at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, said he's dubious curfews will do much to curb infections um, because basically it's just a little bit of time. I know this isn't making uh, Cooper's case. He concedes, though, a curfew may cut down on alcohol-induced bad decisions, but he worries people kicked out of bars and restaurants will congregate in small, airless apartments where the risk of infection will be even higher. So there's the argument against it. Now, here's one for it, though. Well, this is actually against it, too. Michael Levy, he's an epidemiologist at the University of Pennsylvania. He said the curfews um, are not going to help much because they're just baby steps. He says, we just need to call it something else, but that's what we need to do. What's he talking about? Lockdowns. He's like, that's the only thing that's going to be effective. You got to lock everybody down again. So that's why he's opposed to the curfew, not because it might not work. He says it's just not going to do enough. So... We need to go back to lockdowns. So here's a story, though, from Healthline.com. Curfews can help stop the spread. Brian Labus, Ph.D., MPH, an assistant professor in the School of Public Health at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, says the purpose of the overnight stay-at-home orders is to reduce non-essential interactions between people from different households. If people are staying home and not socializing with people outside their household, they drastically reduce their chances of catching or spreading the disease. The purpose is to reduce the transmission while not completely disrupting people's lives or instituting a community-wide lockdown. So that's what Cooper should have said. We're trying to stop you guys from socializing. And in fact, you should have actually done the curfew at some time around, you know, 8 p.m. That's when you should have done it. If you're trying to stop people from socializing, make it earlier. 
And that's that's obviously the intent. And I suspect it's targeted at the 21 to, you know, 45 year old population that tends to go out and socialize and thinks that this isn't really affecting them. And they're the ones that are getting infected and then spreading it. They may not be dying from it a lot, but they are spreading it. That's like that's the argument to make. But I don't know. He just seems incapable of making it. He's just like, yeah, everybody just needs to be home because you're safer at home. Well, what if your home isn't a safe home? What if your home stinks? Well, then you need another home, actually. That's, yeah. So this is actually a really good opportunity for uh, you to give Rowena Patton a call and get into your dream home. If Governor Cooper is going to keep you locked up all day and night, then you might as well be locked up in a place you enjoy. Get yourself a better house. Call Rowena Patton. Buying or selling the only agent that I would call when I'm buying or selling a house. We called her and uh, we're buying a house and that was the only call we made. And she... Uh, you know, she asked questions of the builder uh, and of us that I would never even have thought to ask. So uh, just no, having somebody with that kind of knowledge, a team behind you, really helps make the process go a lot smoother. Uh, and if you're trying to sell a house, she outsells 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina, and she's got buyers lined up. 333-4483 is the phone number. That's 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. Our, uh, our friend Casey O'Day, well, my friend, I don't know if he's your friend. My friend Casey O'Day is a morning talk show host in Raleigh. And uh, on Fridays, I actually appear with him on his show um, at about 8 a.m. And uh, he made a great point on Twitter yesterday because there was a court hearing in, in Alamance County over some um this is the the criminal charges that were brought against a pastor who led a protest a, a march to the polls you remember this we covered it because then they got tear gassed because they deviated from the parade route uh and they were like protesting close by to an election station and they were told they shouldn't and uh and then the the sheriff's office uh you know tear gassed them and uh they charged the pastor who organized it and so he was apparently due in court yesterday and um, well, he was in court and the media wanted access. They wanted to cover it. And the judge said no, citing covid restrictions. The judge said, no, you all can't be in here because of covid. And I said, that's a garbage decision. The, 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 the courts need to be as open as possible for all observers. That's how, you know, justice is being meted out fairly. But uh, they apparently arrested some reporter from the local paper out there because he would re he refused to leave or something. And the media now is freaking out. North Carolina press corps is like, oh, my gosh, it's an attack on the press and all of this stuff. And Casey O'Day made a great point. He said, isn't it amazing how now it's real for them? Right. The covid restrictions are now affecting their ability to do their job like now it's a personal thing for them. When, meanwhile, these are the people that are like Allison Smith. You know, we need to crack the whip. When is enough enough on these people and they're opening businesses and how dare they. Right. So these people are trying to do their jobs. They're trying to survive in this you know, new normal. And you guys are out there just hammering away to get them to get locked down. But. Close one courtroom, <laughs> close a single courtroom, and oh my gosh, it's the end of the republic. Once again, I completely disagree with the judge's decision to do that. But I point out, I simply note here that uh, when you promote these kinds of restrictions, this is one of the unintended consequences that you're going to have to live with. They're going to be used to restrict you from doing things that you want to do as well, because 
you know, one of the, the dirty secrets here is that a lot of these restrictions and executive orders, they don't apply to media. They get special exemptions. It's written right here in this executive order. They get an exemption. They get to keep doing their jobs. They get to keep going out and do, you know, covering stories live from the scene because that's an important thing to do. So they get a carve out. But uh, you, billiards hall owner, nope, sorry, no carve out for you. Bar owner, nope, no carve out for you. This is a problem. This is how you lose the consent of the governed. This is what Stephen Miller writes about at uh, Spectator USA. Uh, Every business is essential. Governors across the country are deploying their unilateral power to institute draconian measures which close small businesses, mostly those in the service industry. They use outright Orwellian language to justify doing so, all in the name of the greater good of halting COVID-19 cases. But it's not working anymore. Total cases are higher now than they've been since the spring, and people are losing their livelihoods. Uh, Which businesses are not essential to people, he asks? What defines a non-essential business? Every business that employs somebody is essential. Every business owned by a private citizen on personal personal capital is essential to that person. Rich and powerful celebrities or podcasters have been deemed essential workers in Los Angeles, but a small business owner and her employees, they're not. In Staten Island, you got that bar that's been shut down. Meanwhile, a couple miles away in Manhattan, Saturday Night Live is allowed to continue on with uh, uh, indoor audiences. The powerful and famous are lining up against everyday people losing their livelihoods without any assistance or incentive. That's how social revolutions and populist backlashes happen, and Donald Trump won't be to blame for it anymore. Uh, Small business owners who have been deemed non-essential are waking up to the fact that there is no help coming and that people forcing them to lose everything are not there to assist. The message is clear. You are on your own. That's a wrap for this episode. Please remember, subscribe to the podcast. Give it a positive review. I appreciate that. Also, please consider becoming a a patron of the program. Get cool stuff, exclusive content. Links are all at thepetecalendarshow.com. And uh, thanks again for the support. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk with you later. And as always, don't break anything while I'm gone. 